Today's anecdotal experience is sponsored by. Oh wow. Stamps.com again. This is insane. Who the is using Stamps.com? The last time I sent mail George W. Bush was president and I had never eaten Chipotle. If anyone requires I mail something to them I usually blow it off. Thank you for listening to the Anecdotal Experience Podcast. I love you. It's good to have you here. You shared episodes. Left iTunes reviews. And it means so much. Today our guest is Aaron McCarty. Aaron gave me the idea for the podcast. He was one of those dudes. I know I've said a lot of people have given me the idea. But Aaron, he relocated to Seattle and he told me all about it one time. And uh, it's a great story. It's good. It's unique. But at the same time, very relatable. You're going to love it. I love Aaron. He's an amazing person. Um, you ever been broke? Like really broke? It, uh, it opens up a new part of your brain having to rely on your survival skills to stay fed and sheltered. It's crazy. Be broke. Give it a shot. Um, oh, if you want to be on the podcast, DM me. Add me on Facebook. We'll take care of it. Have your people call my people. Seattle, yeah. That you want to hear about real quick. Yeah, we'll start it here. But okay. why do? Why are you not super into listening to podcasts? My podcast, for instance, ones that are about <laughs> like romantic relationships. Um, it's not. It's not that I'm not into that subject in general. I think it's just um, they're all the same. No, I think it tends to get that way. I think, yeah, hearing one after the other, it just turns into like kind of like, in my mind, it feels kind of like soap opera-y. Like, just kind of like, oh, let's just talk about drama. Overdramatic. Yeah, which which is yeah. not, like, I think the reason why people do it is because I think people like being able to share their own hurt or pain they went through because it yeah. kind of feels like, oh, I'm getting this off my chest. And it's even a little public, so it's like people get to hear that. Yeah. Um. And that's fine. I'm not, I don't think any one person was wrong for recording a podcast about their relationship, but you don't have to apologize, man. No, you don't but, have to keep like, yeah, well, I just, I just don't up. want anyone to feel like stupid, but, um, just hearing it all over and over again. I'm like, I mean, I remember listening to the beginning of when you first started Yeah. and hearing, um, I don't even know their names actually, but I heard some people talking about like just growing up in their childhood like being involved with drugs or going to jail yeah like those other life stories that are also like hugely life-changing and they affect everything right that is super that's super fascinating to me and i don't know that's the kind of thing i want to hear more of is like people's other life experiences but yeah romantic. that's just my opinion no yeah. yeah that's really great too you know what though romance is so easy it's yeah. fish in a barrel yeah. you know but you're right it is super it can get repetitive because yeah. it's all like you know i like this girl she yeah. didn't like me she yeah yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah 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 okay yeah. i have my own stories like that too for sure right but you also understand it's like it's the same thing as last week mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah dude but that's good stuff yeah the details are what's good though yeah because i know the details about your story which you'll come back on for the 200th episode. Sure. And we'll talk about me and not talk about that story. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that some other time. But, uh, yeah, dude. You I, moved. You. I remember. All right. So, your story is about you relocating, getting mm-hmm. the hell out of Dodge. Dodge being <laughs> Warsaw, Indiana. Yep. Um, and wanting to move to the Emerald City because yes. of what? Well, yeah, I mean, saying it like that, getting the hell out of Dodge, that wasn't even my attitude at the point. I mean, I think I wanted to get away from Warsaw in the Midwest, but it wasn't like I hated it so much here. I didn't even know what Seattle would be like. I what didn't was know the it. intrigue? So I actually had a friend. So I was in college for a year at yeah. Ball State studying architecture. That was my plan. Well, I did that for a year there and realized that's not actually what I wanted to do. Like Why didn't you want to do it? Well, it was like... So I wanted to do architecture because it's one of the few careers that combines art and math, which are both things that I 
enjoyed and I thought I was good at in high school. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, architecture makes sense. You know, I get to use both those things and making, building things is cool, you know? So I just went to school. I was paying for college completely by myself. My parents weren't helping. Yeah. So every decision I made really mattered because it's my own money that I worked hard for to save up. Right. To spend, you know? So I was in school and architecture was, it was kind of fun, but college overall kind of felt like a joke to me. I mean, it kind of felt like similar to high school where you could just kind of goof off and not really try. It's and too like, easy. Yeah. It was a little too easy. I mean, you're just like, I'm whatever. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to keep spending thousands of dollars for something that's not quite right. Yeah. So that came back home, um, to work, to save up more money. But then my friend Kelson, you remember Kelson? Yeah. So he was a kid that I met down at ball state who is, who has family in Seattle and his uncle was actually a pastor at this church, Mars Hill church yeah. out in Seattle. And his uncle was asking him, Hey, can you move out to Seattle and turn at my church? You know, you've got family here. I can get you a job. I can get you a place to stay, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So Kelson was really strongly thinking about doing that. And he, he asked me if I wanted to go with him because I don't think he wanted to do that on his own. And what, okay. What like romanticized the idea? Cause he mentions out. this of moving to Seattle. Yeah. What? Yeah. So like when you first hear this, what yeah. are you thinking? Well, when I first heard it, I'm like, yeah, that's funny how that'd be really cool. But I didn't, that was actually, he first mentioned to me while I was in school. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. wasn't quite after I'd moved out of school. Um, but while I was in school, I thought that's a little unrealistic. That's across the country. I, I don't, I don't know what's going on with school right now with my yeah. career, blah, blah, blah. So, I just kind of laughed it off. But then later when I actually made the decision to go home, drop out of school, he brought it up again. And I was like, okay, a little more serious, you know, and I don't really know. There's not much I knew about Seattle. I knew coffee. I knew that Seattle's a big coffee city. Coffee's tight. I know. I'm like, it's so funny to think that that made a difference in what I thought of the city. Well, but, it's like romanticizing something. Yeah. It doesn't really yeah. matter. It's something like really objective that's going to be better somewhere, but you just like build it up in your head as like things are going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, there's great coffee. I heard it's beautiful. I kind of did want to get away. It wasn't like terribly like, oh, I got to get out of here. Oh, so it was less get out of Dodge, more just like, yeah, intri- like, like, uh, just enticed. Advent- by- yeah. Just adventure. Yeah. Like, for sure. Like, yeah. I felt a little safe actually knowing that he would be going out with me yeah because i wouldn't have to like figure it all on my own i'm not a big risk taker um which is funny because he long story short he ended up not coming out yeah because he was involved in other stuff we gotta make this story long dude yeah do you want to make it long well yeah get into like so let's just get us to the point where it's romanticized and now you're making this decision you're saying i'm gonna go to seattle and Mm -hmm. then the months before like why, so what's the plan? You're moving to Seattle and the plan is yeah. to move with your buddy Kelson, right? Yeah. So yeah, I was just um, talking with him, figuring out how it'd work out. And his uncle's a pastor at that church, which that's another part that I thought would be really cool is to be involved at this church. So you have Mars, a community too to move into when you get there, which is supposedly, appealing. yeah, yeah, supposedly. supposedly. So <laughs> I didn't know really anybody. Yeah. I didn't even know his uncle that mm-hmm. he talked about, but he got us set up. Um, online, there's like an online social media thing through the church where it's right. like, oh, you can find housing and friends, whatever that way. Um, Which is nice because yeah. a lot of the the fear in moving is like nobody knows me, nobody yeah. likes me, no one's gonna even care that I'm there. I won't belong. Yeah, seriously. And I think I don't know how I would have done it honestly without the church community because that's what happened. You know, his uncle got me access to that website and then through there i met people that needed roommates yeah i can't believe they trusted me like across the country to move into their home right but these two guys needed two roommates so um so you had the hookup yeah we had of the like hookup. you had a community to get into and you're yep. you're preparing to leave yep when does kelson bail on you when does your friend bail yeah. on you um you know, the f- details are actually pretty foggy of when that happened. But so our move was in the summer. This is June 2011 is when I moved out there. Yeah. I think he bailed like the holidays before that, like Thanksgiving or December. Like oh, Christmas so you, time. all right. So you moved out. You you were planning to do it on your own for like six or seven months before yes. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I got a, I found a job through a painting company on Craigslist that I was going to start working for. But the other part of the story is another friend from Paul state that I knew he had heard about our plans. He heard that Kelson wasn't going anymore and kind of asked if he can like tag along last minute. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't move out in the same time. Like he came out like a month or so later so it wasn't like we were doing it literally together, but he ended up coming out afterwards. More security. Yeah, a little more, more. familiarity. Yeah. Someone to like yeah. experience this with. Yeah, and okay. he was someone that wanted to get the hell out of Dodge. Like, okay, yeah. yeah. He wanted to get away from Indiana and memories there, I think, for the most part. Oh, yeah, chicks, right? Uh, no, it was something family. else. Yep, let's family. not talk about it. Yeah, let's not let's talk, talk about, about other stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about you. Um, <laughs> it just clicked in my head. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're, there's another buddy coming out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, Kelson kind of bailed, and I don't want to paint him in a bad light either. Yeah. I, I was just so young and... Um, were you butthurt that your friend was No, bailing? that's the thing. Is like I think now I would be because I'm a little more like just confident in who I am. Yeah. But back then I was just kind of like, I didn't want to make anyone feel bad. I want anyone yeah, to like. You were a placator. Yeah. You were a like just people Nobody pleaser. be mad at me. Yeah. And Everyone so when I'm he told bad. me, I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. Now I really am moving out <laughs> knowing nobody. You right. Know? Yeah. But I'd already made plans. I told my boss I'm leaving. I told my dad I'm leaving. I told, you know. Yeah, I, dude. You know, I never went back to school. So I'm like, okay, I have, I have a house lined up. I couldn't ba- bail on those guys. You right. know, I told them I'm moving out. Um, I got a job out there. I didn't want to bail on the boss out there. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, I got to go. So um, I just continued on, which looking back, you know, people like my wife now and Dorothy, I tell her that I don't like taking risks. And she's like, dude, moving to Seattle is one of the biggest like, that's a crazy, huge risk. What do you mean? And yeah. I look back at that move, and I can't believe I did it either. Like, I can't believe I followed through and didn't bail on my plans. Well, you cut in. ties, dude. That's the yeah. thing. What you what happens, if you really want to make something happen, tell a person a date. Yeah. Tell people you're leaving. Have them, like, throw you a goodbye party. Yeah. Like, sign a <laughs> lease in another place. Now it's like, oh, yeah, like, you can't. Yeah. Make it so you can't turn around. I know. It's like, throw you a party. Like, actually, guys. Yeah, dude. Instagram. You're gone. Thanks Go the, somewhere. Yeah. Don't Thanks. show your face in this town. <laughs> Thanks for the party. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, change my mind. Which happens to people. Yeah. I've heard of it. Yep. People like getting a surprise party and they're just like, nah. I'm staying. I'm going to stay. Well, I mean, if you look at it that way, you could have a like a welcome back party right away. Yeah, but the, your friends are just like, <laughs> dude, you're kind of lame, man. I know, yeah. That's the thing. Pussied I think. Out. You know, beyond, I would say less, it was less of like me being like a strong, persistent dude and more of like me being actually too prideful to like admit that this this move could have been the wrong thing. And I was a little embarrassed to like, to do exactly what you just said, to come back and be like, yeah, this didn't work out. I'm not going to go. Like I had told people I was leaving and I wanted to follow through on that because I couldn't, I didn't want to be humiliated and like saying, yeah, I couldn't go. I couldn't, I was too scared. But the other side of that coin though, is there's always going to be a reason. There's always going to be a reason Mm -hmm. to not go. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be this or that. There's always that. Mm -hmm. And if you, I don't know, at some point, like you said, it's a risk and you got to just jump. Yeah. You can always come up with a reason that you're like, oh, it's not a good time. It's not this, it's not that. Yeah. You know, that's very true. I mean, and if once we get into my story, yeah. Like, what I realized right away was that this was probably the least opportune time for me to go on a big trip across country. It was like, yeah, why is really that? Explain hard. Okay, so the, I know you've explained these circumstances yeah. to me, and they were. I was like, yeah, that was a poor decision. Yeah, how long ago was this? I told you this story. I don't know. Beats me. So, um, this was 2011. You were broke. I know this. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah. So. I had planned to save up a lot of money. Like my plan was four thousand dollars, get a car that will actually get you out there, drive yeah. me to Seattle, and yeah. also have like four thousand in the bank. Yeah, and that's fine. I, I had a job, you know, planned for me when I got there, so I knew that as soon as I started making money, you know, I'd be fine with a little bit of money and savings. I'd be okay. So that was a plan. Well, so for the listeners' kind of point of view, my dad works in like kind of the construction. Yeah. Um, 
field in Warsaw, Indiana. So he does painting and hardwood floors for like mostly new construction homes. Well, the bubble, the economy thing with 2008 housing yeah, crisis, first. that blew up in 2008, yeah. but it didn't really affect um, Warsaw, I don't feel like, till a couple years later because there's a lot of money here with the orthopedic companies. Right. So 2008 to 2010 didn't really feel there wasn't really a lull in work. There wasn't, you know, problems with housing until around 2010, 2011, yeah. which is when I'm planning on moving. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to save money. I'm working full time for my dad and also part time for another bakery in town. And my dad isn't getting paid from his, from the builders he's working for. So right. my dad is painting and doing floors for these builders who make homes. They're not getting money from, anyone buying the homes so they're not able to pay my dad so therefore my dad's not able to pay me so technically i would have had enough money in my bank account to make it out to seattle like i'd planned originally but my dad kind of was building up this huge iou list for me because he wasn't able to get paid either it wasn't like my dad was being a jerk not paying right, me he, he wasn't have, being paid either yeah, yeah, yeah. so I was making enough money off my other part-time job to just pay rent and everything I needed to in Warsaw. Yeah. And then stacking up a huge um, list of IOUs for my dad. But I had already made plans, you know, I already made plans to leave my jobs at this date to move into the house out there at this yeah. date. So I couldn't just be like, well, that's part of the reason why I didn't want to bail. Cause I had made these promises, like kind of contractual promises, right? With like a, Literal contract. Yeah, like a landlord yeah. with a new job. Yeah. So this is okay. What you're describing is a real, a lot of times people will make up reasons. Like someone will say, Oh, I'm moving in February. February becomes March. March yeah. becomes April. And they come up with excuses that I'm, I realize I'm like, Oh, this person's just not moving. Yeah. They just don't want to, but yours, what you're describing are real reasons, real things. Cause people make fake excuses. These mm. were real excuses. You should not have moved. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you didn't want to be the person that's like, Oh, well my grandma, um, yeah. she's a little sick. So I don't think right now is a good time. Yeah. That weird bullshit that people make up cause they're afraid. This was not that you had exactly. no money. I had no money. So yeah. I had probably, I, I think I had like 1500. I wanted 4,000. I had like 1500 in the bank not enough i realized <laughs> i needed a car i had this beat up pickup truck that i knew wouldn't make it out there mm -hmm. but i didn't have enough money to buy a car either so what i ended up doing is buying my brother's really beat up car that he had parked he just left it parked in this parking lot yeah he sold it to me for 50 dollars because it didn't run at all like he drove it in the ground it needed a lot of work done but i knew that if i fixed it i could get it running really well it's a fairly new car yeah he just destroyed it. So I bought that and I spent about $1,000 fixing it. So now you're at 500 bucks. Yeah, so I'm at like $500. Yeah. Um, the car is fixed, it's running great. I took it, I basically took it all apart, put it back together. Um, but I have like 500 bucks. So my plan was to just drive out there as fast as I could. Um, like the like, car wouldn't know, like the car, like would forget that it was a piece of shit if you just did it real fast. No, it was more like, I didn't want to stop, like and spend money camp, like at a hotel Got or camping it. or spending money on food. If right. I can just get out there as fast as I can, it's less money to spend. Yeah. That was my, my thought. My grandma, who's a very sensitive, anxious woman, she heard that I was doing that and she was so nervous about that. And my parents didn't have money to help. And they weren't really, they didn't really have that attitude anyways. I think they would have wanted to help, but they they couldn't. But they also wanted me to learn my own, you know, lessons. Yeah, let people so, make their own mistakes. Yeah. yeah. So they were just kind of letting me do my own thing. My grandma, however, was like, you're not driving out there by yourself. I will pay um, for an uh, airplane ticket for a friend to go with you and then fly back out of Seattle. Yeah. So I entered this scene, my, my friend Kyle, our yeah. friend Kyle. He, I ask around, he wants to go with me. So... He starts planning with me, like where we're gonna stop, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. And then we'll Wait, is he Seattle. planning stops and stuff? And you're just kind of like, yo, dude, I ain't trying to well, stop. Well, I kind of explained him the situation a little bit. All I'm right, like, okay. I just got there fast. I have to get there in time for my job, for right. this house. And I don't wanna spend a lot of money. Yeah. I didn't tell him literally like how much money I had. Because you know, he would have been like, or how you're much making a poor decision. You yeah. have $450. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
so we're making plans together. I think we do it. The plan is to do it in two days. I'm going to drive straight to South Dakota. Yeah. We'll see a couple things like Mount Rushmore. Yeah. We'll camp there. Then we'll drive the rest of the way to Seattle, like the second day. So just one night, two days of driving. Well, okay. So how is that good for now? You may keep going on the story. Is there anything? Yeah. You want to what ask happens about? on the way there, man? Okay. So doesn't, doesn't go well. It's a lot of driving. Um, I remember, I remember uh, in South Dakota, we are maybe, so this is like the first crazy thing that happens. We're maybe like an hour from our campsite and it's like the middle of the night, super dark. And it starts pouring like torrential downpour rain, like so hard that the fastest setting on the windshield wipers of my car, like wasn't enough yeah, to like keep you the just rain can't drive, yeah. yeah. So I'm driving slower and we're pulling up to this campsite and it never had let down at all the rain and I'm just thinking oh my gosh like we have to set up our tent in this crazy rain yeah we're gonna be camping on the grass it's gonna be muddy it's dark I don't why know why you sleep in your find. car uh, I don't know there wasn't a lot of room I think I'd so I'd packed all my stuff I think the back oh, seats yeah, and the right. trunk were just filled with my boxes all right you just can't okay yeah so we get to the campsite and I'm like all right Kyle we are going to find our lot and we're gonna like gather as much stuff as we can inside the car and then make a mad rush for our like plot of land and set it up as fast as we can and jump inside. That was like, we're just nervous about getting drenched and like, we're nervous. The whole ground is being muddy. You know, camping when you're like, yeah, no, that sounds awful. What you described is you're going to go to like, you're going to sleep in a swamp. Yeah. So that's what I was nervous about. The crazy, like, this is so crazy. The craziest thing happened. We like open our doors in the car. We found our plot of land. We open the doors in our car to get out, and it literally completely stopped raining. Just completely stopped. And so we're like, okay, let's do this as fast as we can before it starts up again. Yeah. We get all our tent and sleeping bags and everything. We go set it up on the ground. Dude, the plot of land. I, this sounds like this is like a straight up miracle. All right. You the believe ground in God. was dry. Yeah. Like like not soggy, not wet it was dry and I don't think we even really processed that till after we were inside but we set up our tent fast we get inside and like as soon as we zip up the thing it starts pouring rain again no way I'm did not you even both kidding, realize dude. the situation at the time like or was it retroactively we're thinking so it? I think we're thinking so I mean it'd be really great to hear Kyle's perspective because maybe I you know I wonder how much I've exaggerated or thought changed my mind either way this is interesting yeah either so way the truth is yeah. probably less interesting <laughs> yeah so who cares about so Kyle? we we were just so focused on getting everything set up because we just thought oh this is just a weird temporary lull and it's gonna start up again right and it did it yeah. did so we're just getting everything done as fast as we can we get inside and it just starts pouring and like storming so hard that we're scared that the tent is gonna like rip out of the ground right, with little yeah. stakes that it has uh-huh. but that's what it was and we're just like dude that was crazy we're super tired from just driving the yeah. whole time we just go to sleep um i remember we're like just i remember we fell asleep talking like we were talking and all of a sudden it's just like no more talking isn't that you know? weird how that <laughs> yeah. happens you're yeah. like what was the last thing we said <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know but that's how it happened um we got up in the morning had breakfast at that campsite and then started driving again so we get to like montana the middle of montana and Montana's pretty mountainous once you get to the Rockies that come up there on the north side. Yeah. It's again the middle of the night again. It's not quite as late because the plan was to be in Seattle maybe I think it's like five or six hours from there to be in Seattle. Yeah. Maybe a little long, maybe eight hours. Um so we're just gonna keep driving all the way through to Seattle. Well, it's nighttime, Kyle's sleeping in the passenger seat, I'm driving. All of a sudden there's like this ping sound. And then this like huge like chunk, like this chunk sound. And Kyle like snaps up out of his seat awake and he's like, dude, what was that? And I'm like, I don't know. What was that? That's a ping chunk. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> he's you, like, all right. He's like, whatever it was, it hit like right underneath my seat, like underneath the car. I felt yeah. it. That's what woke me up. I'm like, really? I'm like, I don't know. The car is just totally fine. And he's like, weird. And he like falls or like lays back down and go back you to sleep. You just didn't think anything. You're like, oh, yeah. well. I'm like, we're still everything seems driving. fine. Yeah. Probably like 10 minutes later, I hadn't, the thing was, is I hadn't braked it. We're just driving on the highway. Ah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I get to like a downhill 
thing and I was stuck. Oh or no, no, no. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I don't know if you needed to stop the car. Uphill, yeah, yeah. I needed to stop. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I start pushing the brakes and he's like not freaking. At least not very well it's all yeah. like pushing really hard i'm like kyle wake up dude wake up and pushing on the brakes nothing's happening it's kind of grinding like a terrible grinding sound yeah. and so i'm just pushing as hard as i can and yeah. finally i think i pull over onto like an off-ramp that happens to be a little uphill yeah. and with the combined brakes and hill i slow to a stop and as soon as I have a second to like think, I know exactly what happened. Right. Like I know because exactly, you know cars, yeah, yeah. Because I worked on this car, so one of the things we did working on the car was um, changing the brake pads, which is a really easy thing. Yeah. Well, my dad had been helping me with the brake pads. He was trying to help me like double team the job, so yeah. he was on the passenger side, I was on the driver's side, and he had like installed the brake pads, put the bolts in, and he had told me, "Hey, Aaron." These bolts on this caliper over here are finger tight, but I haven't used the wrench yet. So when you get done with the wrench on that side, come over here and tighten them this up. This is all coming back to you. Yeah, and I'm yeah. realizing all this in the moment, like after we came to a stop. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I never tightened those bolts. No I way. Like, I was like, I was like, I know exactly what I knew was wrong. So I went down there on I, on the ground, went around and fell up underneath the caliper. I felt the hole where the bolt was supposed to be. And I'm like, that's it, dude. The bolt came out. Like, it just flew out of the car because it had just vibrated loose all that time. So it's completely air on your part. Yeah, completely yeah. air. And the caliper was like, the the one bolt that's supposed to hold it in made the whole caliper fall down onto the rotor. So it's completely undrivable. It's like, yeah. it, yeah. I have not no idea, drivable. but like, I it's okay. You, yeah. yeah. Basically, the brakes wouldn't work. So okay. thanks. it's the middle of the night. I didn't know what to do. So I ended up calling my parents. You know, and back in Indiana, it's like even later, it's a couple hours later. So it's like probably two in the morning and I call, they pick up and dad's like, what's going on? And I'm like, dad, my brakes just went out. We're in Montana. What were you expecting them to do? Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I guess that's what I just, that's what all I could think of to do. Yeah. And he's like, he said the exact same thing. He's like, well, what do you want me to do about it? You know? Yeah, dude. dude your, dad, your parents yeah. made you grow up. Yeah, they really did. My dad's not a jerk either. Right. He's he just like, like, dude, I have no, I cannot help you. Yeah. He's like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, you're right. I don't know. And I'm like, well, I'll let you know if I figure this out. <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, I'll talk to you later. If Sorry. you don't hear from me, I died here, dad. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really glad my dad answered because if my mom had found out she would have freaked out even more yeah yeah, yeah. um anyways so kyle remembers oh i've got AAA. i think from my mom so he like checks through his wallet and finds his car with a number on it yeah. calls them ends up it's expired but we look on our phones i i can't remember how far along smartphones were at this time but i think it was yeah in 2011 we still could search like google yeah. and stuff right yeah so he found like a towing company like in a town like maybe 20 miles back or something like that. Oh, maybe you're 10 just miles seeing back. dollar signs at this point, right? Yeah, okay. So I'll explain this right. when we get to the town. So anyways, we call this towing company in the middle of the night. Thankfully, they're 24 hours. Thankfully, they're not terribly far off. This guy comes to get our car or my car and he tells us, man, really good thing you you guys broke down. He's like, you guys shouldn't be driving out here in the middle of the night in these mountains. And we're both kind of like, why? And he's like, well, a lot of uh, wild animals like moose and elk and that kind of thing, they cross the roads and people hit them and die. People hit these animals and die because they're so big. They just, there's a lot of them that come out at night and yeah. you don't see them until you hit them. Which I don't know how true that is that it was a good thing we broke down. It's but not a, like, there's no way. It's like a death zone out here. Yeah, you know I don't what know. I mean? There's that many. <laughs> I don't know. But he was like, yeah, I'll take you back to uh, our town and we'll get you fixed up. There's a mechanic that comes in the morning, I think. All right. So we drive back to this town. It's called St. Regis, Montana. If you look it up, the population is like, I think, 300 or something like that. It's okay. a tiny, tiny town. And there's nothing in the town center except for a gas station a weird building with a motel and a restaurant and like his, this tow company, they're like warehouse and yard, like tow yard. Okay. And he's like, well, he's like, I don't know if I would uh, stay in that motel. If you do watch moves. out, he's like, watch out for this one lady. He has described some lady. He's like, she's not too uh, good company to be around. 
This dude's a fear monger. Yeah, he's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he said, uh, there's a mechanic that comes into town like every three or so days, but I think he's coming tomorrow. So you guys are in good shape for him to work on your car. And we asked him if we could camp somewhere because we don't want to spend money on a motel. Yeah. And he's like, well, uh, yeah, I guess you guys can camp in my front yard. So, no way. Which is like right there in the town center. I mean, like the town center is like all those buildings and his house yeah. and a park or something like that. Right. So we end up camping in his front yard. I remember it was super bumpy and uncomfortable. So anyways, we camped there. I had, at this point, had gone into like overdraw mode on my bank account. And you, so like, did you know this? Yeah. Because like I knew, I knew that I could overdraw my account and still, there's still money there. It just, they just charge you an overage fee. Yeah, right. Just go into debt. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. like, but not like even a good kind of debt where it's like, you're able to like pay it back through monthly bills or whatever. It's like yeah. my bank account is just going into the red and like more and more negative. Right. And that happened through just gas, like spending money on gas to get out there. Yeah. So at this point I thought, okay, I'm getting to Seattle this night. It doesn't matter. I'll just start work and I'll just make it work. I'll pay off that. Right. How far in fees. the hole are you at this point? I don't remember. Probably just a couple hundred bucks or something. Okay. I mean, and it's, just, yeah, no, but that's like but a still, start of yeah. like the red. The yeah, start, yeah, 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 yeah. I get you, so yeah. all I'm seeing is like my car broke down in the middle of nowhere. Too embarrassed to ask Kyle for help, for money to help. Yeah. You don't tell him, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't really even tell yeah. him. Um, I'm really nervous about what's going to happen, but because you also know you still have to pay to get whatever's wrong with you, the thing. Exactly. Fixed. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah, like, yeah. but I knew what it was. So the next morning, the, the mechanic comes in talking to him. I'm like, dude, listen, I know exactly what's wrong. It's this bolt right here. I just pointed it to him. This is all that came out. Yeah. The caliper fell down. Just need to fix that and we'll be good to go. So he's like, okay, I want to check out the rest of your car though. Just to make sure you're good to go. So Kyle and I leave for a little bit and come back. And he's like, yeah, so this bolt is actually all you need fixed. But the problem is it's like not just a generic bolt. I can't just grab it out one of my drawers and put any kind of bolt in there. He's like, the size for it is kind of custom. So I've got to order it and we have to wait for that to come in. Oh, my God. And so I'm thinking like, oh, shit, I have to stay in this little podunk town for like a week or something. Yeah, you're moving in, dude. Yeah, until you're like, this part to comes Saint in. Regis. Yeah, yeah, you're part of the community. I'm just thinking, I can't do that. I can't. Yeah. I don't know what else to do. It's not even a town where I could like rent a car. I can't get on the bus. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. And Kyle, the other thing too is Kyle had a deadline. He had a flight out of Seattle, you know, from right. a ticket paid for from my grandmother. And we had to get him there on time to just make sure he could fly out. And I'm just like freaking out. And I don't even think that... I don't think in the moment I was like praying, but it was just one of those moments where I'm like, dude, God had to have been working here. Okay. But the mechanic all of a sudden was like, you know what? I just remembered something. And he goes out back behind the tow yard and there's like a couple cars that are like in his quote unquote junkyard. It's like cars that maybe had broken down that weren't working. And one of the cars he had was the exact same year make and model as mine. It was like a Pontiac Grand Am 2001. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to take the bolt off this one and I'll put it in yours. You'll be good to go. <laughs> and so that's all he does. He just goes back there with a wrench, pulls the bolt off, puts it in mine. And we're on the road, like, you know, like next 10 ever minutes. Yeah, yeah. He charged me for the, just basically the labor is like 50 bucks. I think for just the work in the car. How much was the toe? Or did, did the, the toe was a little more, I think it was like a 70 or a hundred bucks. Okay, so not all that much. Not crazy. Okay, not crazy, it. and yeah. way better than having to stay there for a week and say oh, that would have been. For, could you imagine? That would have been disastrous. Yeah. Yeah. So, I call my roommate, my new roommate. I'm like, hey, I'm a little late. Um, I will let you know when I'm out of this town. I had a problem with my brakes. I'll see you later. So then later we get on the road. I call him. We get there in like five or six hours. He meets me, and um. Yeah, I finally made it to Seattle. But I, you're broke. Yeah, so I'm broke. Yeah, so I can't help but like look back. How um, are you feeling at this point? I are you scared? Am you? Really, I'm scared. Okay. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was going to say. It's like I'm looking back at the trip, and I feel like, wow, there's a couple miracles I feel like happened on that trip. Thanks, God. I can't believe I made it out here. But now I'm stuck in Seattle, the other side of the country. My family has no money to give me. I have no money. 
and yeah. I've got to somehow make this work. I, you know, the first thing I have to pay for is my deposit and my first month of rent in Seattle, which in Seattle is way more expensive than Warsaw would yeah. ever be. So I owed my roommates and the, like the landlord lady, um, it was probably, I think it was like $1,200, like so deposit and first month. And rent. you have negative, like, I have negative dollars. Bucks, yeah. Yeah. So what'd you do? Well, so I'm like, the first thing I try and do is get my work situation figured out. I got to get into my new yeah. job and start working just to make money. So I call them and I'm like, Hey, I'm here in Seattle. They left it at, okay. So when you get to Seattle, call us and we will, uh, get you started on training. Right. It's a painting company. Mm-hmm. So I get to Seattle. The first thing I do is call them. I'm like, I got to get started on work. Well, they tell me, no, sorry, we are too busy right now to, to train another employee. I'm sorry, just call us back next week and we'll we'll get you in then. I'm like, okay. So the first week I'm not doing anything. I'm like, I'm not working. I'm and just, you're not looking for other work because you assume no, you're I'm still like, getting this yeah, job. Yeah. yeah, I'm like thinking this is a job. It's a painting job, which is more, I'd be making more money than a regular minimum wage job. Right. So why would I look for other stuff? This is probably the best thing I can get. Right. I'd already done interviews on the phone and I'd already come out in May. You had the job. Yeah, I had the job. Yeah. Well, the next week again, I call them. And they say the same thing, dude. They're like, oh, man, we're too busy. We can't train you. What do you think's going on here? I'm just like, this is when I finally realized, like, these guys, like, totally screwed me over. I don't think they, either they thought I wouldn't actually make it out to Seattle from Indiana, or they found someone else that was just right there, a better candidate, and they just picked him up and never told me. They kind of threw me under the bus. Yeah. So I had to find out what I'm going to do for work. So you gave up on them. I gave up on them. I'd never call them back. I said, like they told me to call them back again, like the week after. And I just yeah. never call them back. I, I How think did you now, pay your first month rent? So, so yeah. So what I ended up doing was I hung out with my, my roommates to get to know them. And they, I went to their community group at the church that I was involved with. Yeah. And all their, um, all their roommates are, su- or not roommates. All their friends were super cool. Like, I became like family with them like right away. So they kind of helped me out a little bit with just like little things here and there. And then I ended up just selling my car. I'm like, this is the only thing I have that's worth money that can help pay for this stuff. So I, I yeah. sold my car on Craigslist right away. Um, How much did you like get for it? Yeah. 700 or $800. Okay, cool. That was something. Another thing I had that I had to sell was my, my uncle, my dad's brother, every year for Christmas, he would give us kids and my family a silver dollar. Yeah. For Christmas. Which, oh, dude, you're scraping the bottom of the piggy bank. Yeah, so dude. I'm selling, I have like, so I'm 21 at this point, so I have like 20 silver dollars and like a golden nugget. One year he got us a golden nugget instead of silver. The crazy thing was, now if you look at the price of silver, I think it's like $18 an ounce, Yeah, it's which like, a silver dollar is an ounce. Yeah. But back then, in 2011, it was like $71 an ounce. Yeah. So I have 20 of these bad boys. <laughs> so I go to this like gold, silver store yeah and i'm like hey i got these silver dollars what can i get for them well it turns out if i sell 10 of them i get like 700 dollars. so i sell like half of my silver get oh this you money. got cash to spare dude yeah i had like a good amount of extra cash this is so dumb dude i walk the first time i sell this silver yeah i walk out of the thing out of the store and I realized I'd locked my keys in my car. Oh, yeah. I remember this part. You're still with Kyle at this point, aren't you? No, Kyle left. I was okay. with another friend that was in that community group. Like someone I'd met oh. there in Seattle already. He came with me. He didn't have a job. So he was just hanging out with me in the day. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I had kind of gotten used to already in that week. I'd gotten used to Seattle being a danger, dangerous enough city that I should lock my car. Yeah. But I still hadn't gotten out of the habit of like leaving my keys in the car. Cause here in Indiana and Warsaw, I would just yeah. leave my keys in the car. I would go on to job sites right. or go wherever. And it didn't matter. Uh-huh. You just walk back out and your car's fine. Yeah. So there I had locked my car, but still left my keys in the car like an idiot. So I walk out of the silver store the silver gold exchange store and immediately have to call a company to come unlock my car for like 300 bucks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was bad. That was That's so... like the worst. Cause you walk out having cashed out. Did you walk back into the silver store and like, no, yeah, I need to make all my money. <laughs> <laughs> what if you walked back out and Dude. you locked your keys in the car? 
Oh my goodness, that would've been so. You just kill yourself. No. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm like, I'm done with life. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I, I think I probably would have maybe, but I don't think I brought all my silver with me. I was like, I can't, I can't spend <laughs> yeah, all this. Yeah. So I, I just was like, yeah, fuck, yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't, it worked out. Uh, that was fine. I I paid my rent with my money from my car and with from the silver. Another thing I remember happening before, actually, I should rewind a little bit. Before my silver and car money came in, I had I had nothing, right? When I yeah. moved there, I had negative dollars. At this point, my card wouldn't charge anything else. Like it wouldn't. It was, it was like, nah, you're done. Yeah, dude. it was like, <laughs> you like, broke. Yeah, dude. they're like, dude, you've overcharged this yeah. so many times. So I remember I called my parents, like, thinking they could help me. Cause you know what? The other thing I'm waiting for is my dad to just oh, wire yeah, you me got money. Cash to come. You yeah, got, I'm just like, like please escrow, wire dog. me something. Yeah. Like, tell me as soon as you get paid. I need this money. Mm-hmm. He still wasn't getting paid, so he couldn't do anything. But I, I call my parents, just being like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like crying. Yeah, I don't know how I'm gonna survive out here. And my mom like scraped together some money and was like, okay, I'm gonna wire you some money. Yeah, it's gonna be fifty dollars, but you have to go to a Walmart to get it. Yes, so, Western Union, right? It's like, yeah, some yeah. MoneyGram Western Union yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd never heard of that before. But the thing is, Seattle doesn't have Walmart. Like, mm-hmm. it's not available in the city. Like, they don't have this store there. So right. you have to drive out of the city to go to Walmart. And yeah. I'm like, but mom doesn't know that. So I spent out, like, a good amount of money, actually, in gas just to get to a Walmart. And then I walk get, in. Yeah. I walk into, like, the where the Western Union thing is. Have you ever seen those parts oh, of the store? Oh, dude, yeah. I've gotten money wired to me. You have? Yeah. I I remember I walked in there and I had this like card I had to fill out and yeah. I'm like standing there filling this card out in line and I'm looking around and I that was the moment where I I lost it dude I I I think I started crying in the store because I'm looking around and everyone else in that line was like Desperate. I mean they're like they looked like either homeless or yeah I mean just completely destitute and I realized like that's who I was in the moment I'm like right dude, I have negative dollars to my name. I'm yeah. getting money wired to me in a Walmart. <laughs> like $50. Oh, like you. Yeah. Poor then, sons of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little That's like... That's a realization you have. Like, look at these people. And you're like, oh, yeah. they have negative money. I mean, I'm maybe like, that's a little judgmental. But. No, but I think it's not judgmental once you recognize. You're like, oh, they're looking at me and being like, this poor son yes. of a bitch has no money. I mean, they probably were looking at me and thinking the same thing. And like, That's what I'm saying, yeah, dude. And like, yeah, and so you're I all just, in that together. I mean, I and I grew up not in, in a rich family. I We didn't have a lot of money, but I had never felt like unsecure, like like unable yeah. to survive. Like at the bottom of it yeah, all. Like if yeah. I didn't get something going, like I would die or be on the streets, you know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a actually, reality that that's you don't think I, about. Yeah, that's what yeah. I envisioned. Like, okay, what if I don't have money to pay my deposit in my room, um, and these roommates aren't generous enough to help me out? Then I'm gonna be I'm gonna be evicted from this place right away. Yeah, without anybody that I know in Seattle, and I'm gonna be, you know, on the streets. And I don't think it would have gone to that. I think even though my parents didn't have money. And they're so far away, they still would have helped me out. But but it's a thing you yeah. you're forced to think about is being destitute. Yeah, and you've you're not used to it. Not used to it. Yeah. So I leave there um, from Walmart, and I'm driving home sobbing. And I remember I'm praying. I'm this is when I start praying, like God, mm-hmm. whatever you want me to do, I will do it. But like. Like I was, it wasn't just like help me. Yeah, it was like dude. rescue me. God. Start like, bargaining with yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah those moments. Yeah, like, I've had that. Like Lord, like I need you. I will to go to church yeah, yeah. <laughs> like every day. I will do you, it yeah. ever. Yeah, just please, like get me through this. Right, I need you. And um, I drove immediately to McDonald's because I didn't have any food, dude. I remember I bought like a dollar cheeseburger. Yeah, with my like so fifty dollars like, cash. You were hungry. I was hungry actually yeah. already because I I didn't I wasn't eating and yeah um yeah so um as I'm looking I'm looking for work I'm thinking about what I'm gonna do for work and I'm like okay so I knew I know how to do painting I know how to do hardwood floors that's mm-hmm. what my dad taught me 
I know that if I can get a job in those two fields, I'm going to get paid more than like your average like cafe job right, or whatever yeah. because they're a little higher than minimum wage. Yeah, skilled labor. Yeah, so I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm going to look for hardwood floor jobs. So I just type in Seattle hardwood floor. And the first company that comes up is called Seattle Hardwood Floors. Mm-hmm. And I just email them. I'm just, or no, I just call them. I just call the number. I say, hey, I know that you're not posting on Craigslist that you need help. I know that like yeah. there's nothing. I just am putting myself out there and asking if you want any new help because I just moved here, could really use some work. I've done this with my dad. I have experience. What right. do you think? And he's like, you know what? Actually, yeah, we do need some help. Um, how about you come in on Monday? I call him on a Friday, I think. How does that feel? I'm like, dude, that was easy. Yeah. So I, I go in on Monday. I look up where the place is. This is another thing that's crazy. I look up where the store even is. I didn't know where it was in Seattle. Yeah. It was less than a mile from my house. Really? The shop. Okay. Less than a mile. So I am able to walk there because I don't have a car. So I walk there and I'm like, I walk in, shake this guy's hand and he's like, tell me about yourself. I want to hear about your story. Yeah. It's an interview. I just told yeah. him, you know, I skipped all the broke stuff, but I'm like, yeah, I just moved <laughs> in Indiana. Yeah. People, desperation is not a good look. <laughs> no. Like, yeah. I'm I like, need this. Right. Right. So, <laughs> so, so I just tell him, yeah, I'm here. I'm looking for a job. I really like doing floors. I learned it from my dad. What do you think? And he he's like, yep, come in tomorrow. We'll get you started. So immediately I have a job just from asking. I didn't even find an ad I didn't find, I didn't respond to any like help wanted things, just called in, asked, yeah. and it turns out it was less than a mile from my house, which is perfect because I didn't have a car. Right. And you I didn't, didn't have a lot of options because yeah. you can't be like bussing around. Yeah, no options. So yeah. I, I start working and I mean, from there, things start picking up. Like my dad starts getting a little bit of money here and there. Yeah. Um, my roommate gives me this broken down moped he had. He says, yeah, if you can fix this up, you can sell it, make some yeah. money that way. I fix that up and I sell it. Um, keep working, keep saving money, keep paying off the yeah. overage, <laughs> like the negative <laughs> right. money I had, you know. Digging out of the hole. Yeah, it yeah. is slow, but I I've eventually made it. And then like within the next January, I bought a truck finally, which is actually still the truck that I have today. Same vehicle. Yeah. Um, got that for 800 bucks. Yeah, and then I just slowly worked my way up. And I don't know if I could have done it without that community of friends that got to know me there. Like they, right? you know, they didn't bail me out. They didn't give me money. But um, they were a friend base, like a group of people that loved me and cared for me. And um, if anything, they were just, you know, they prayed for me and we hung out. And they were just family for that few hard months. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't imagine. It was, already, it was hard enough being alone or not being alone, being poor and being in a city I didn't know anybody. Right. But to be those things in a city where I still like wasn't talking to anybody or even seeing anybody or spending time would be even worse. Yeah. But to be broke and looking for a job and trying to pay off debt with people that I could hang out with and get to know and that accepted me and loved me, that made it, made all the difference in the world. Yeah. Having a community. Yeah, dude, that's interesting. Cause that's, yeah, that's something that is like a lot of the times why people try something and they leave is maybe they have the finances, maybe they have the mm-hmm. resources, maybe they have the purpose, but they don't have anyone that gives a shit about yeah. them, you know? Yeah. And I remember coming back one of the first times and talking to you and you were asking me about moving to Seattle and how to do it, I think, or something. And I, I remember I just, I didn't really have any good answers. I don't think, but I told you like, dude, get involved in a church or something like right find people like you can like get to know because that is so that was so valuable to me i can't imagine moving somewhere completely new and just never ever getting to know people yeah dude no and i've had that i've had that experience i've been on like both sides of the coin i've moved places and been um like not had a job and been broke and kind of purposeless, but I had a community. Then I've been places where I've mm-hmm. moved and I've, um, you know, had it the opposite way where I was just like, oh, I don't have anyone. And the, you gotta, you gotta put yourself out there. You gotta be a part of a community. Yeah. You need to connect with people. And also it's helpful knowing you're not alone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Have you ever read the book Outliers? Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell. Gladwell. Yeah, I've read it a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. I just started it. Yeah. And one of the first things he talks about 
you know, it's about success, right? Yeah. What what makes success? Ten thousand hours. Yeah, yeah. What's what's mm-hmm. different about the reality of success versus what we think of it? Yeah. And the very beginning of the um, very beginning of the book, like the introduction, he talks about this town in Pennsylvania where it's mostly immigrants from one city in Italy. And it turns out that they are like this statistical anomaly as far as their health goes and their lifestyle goes. And when they start investigating why that is, like why is the heart disease in the city drastically lower than every other city in America? And it didn't come down to diet. It didn't come down to exercise. It didn't come down to anything except for the way that they interacted as a community together was completely different from other communities in the rest of the US where people are on their porch and talking to people as they walk by. They're in the stores, like talking to people as if they're their best friend, even if they're, mm-hmm. you know, just strangers. And the way that they all live together as a community actually produced health and success and like a growth in the city that no other factor affected like that, you know? And I just, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you can even prove that is how it works, but it seems to make sense to me. Like a community that is around you is a huge part of your success and who you are as a human. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of times fear and anxiety, I mean, obviously not good for your heart, dude. So I think it can can alleviate a lot of anxiety when you know you have people around you that love and care about you. I think that alone can relieve you i mean anxiety is fear can relieve you of fear if you know that there are people that are around you that want to help you if you're in a dire circumstance you know yeah totally makes me think about my my mom actually because she's just so anxious all the time because that's that is like a huge factor of stress on your health yeah man you know fear is like yeah, I mean, that's why, I mean, I, I quote this book all the time, but the uh, yeah. how to stop worrying, start living. People die, their fear eats them alive, man. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, that JFK, is insane. Dude. Yeah, like, you need to, and a lot of times, I mean, this book is full of anecdotes, but it's mainly the idea that once you give in to the worst possible scenario and you say, okay, this happens, and this is the worst thing that could happen, you come to yeah. terms with it, and then all of a yeah. sudden you're relieved of your anxiety because you realize, oh, that's as bad as it could possibly get. Yeah. And I'm prepared for that. So you're right. Fear, if you can alleviate that fear, conquer your fear, figure out why you're afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's a good point. I never realized that that's, that's actually a lot of how I process things is I think, okay, if this thing that I'm doing right now if it was that I hate, the thing that I hate, if this is what I did for the rest of my life, could I function or is that yeah. the end of the world? And when I realized that it's not, that thing no longer is terrible. Like I'm I'm thinking about this job that I had in Seattle in between a couple other jobs. I worked as like a a free, you know the free service they give you at the dealership to like vacuum and wash your car? Yeah. I was like that guy. Yeah. Like I would vacuum and wash people's cars. It's like an endless chain of like, vacuuming and car washing just right. never ended and I was no one respected me not fulfilling yeah <laughs> yeah one of the worst jobs I've ever had but I remember thinking like if I had to come into if I knew that I had to come into work every day and do this for the rest of my life could I survive could I function yeah and I realized yeah I could I just need to change my attitude like the attitude that says I want to be doing something else and eventually I will be makes right. this job so much worse but if like you imagine yourself when I imagine myself doing that every day for the rest of my life, like it totally changed how I walked into the job every morning and how I talked to people I worked around and how I washed these cars and vacuumed them out. Because I, I don't know, something about re- making something permanent, it's like making it your home. It's like, well, that's only as good as you make it. But that's kind of what you're talking about, I think, for like facing those fears. Yeah. You realize like this isn't actually as terrible as... I'm making it out to be. I kind of exaggerated my mind. Right. You're imagining a a scenario where you are forced to come to terms with this reality that you're waking up and vacuuming Mm -hmm. all day. (laughs) You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, if I just imagine that that's my life from now on, if that was the case, I would have to come to terms with it. Yep. Yeah. And then it can only go up from there. If that is your life, then, you know, yeah, you can just only go up from there. 
Yeah. You can make d- decisions and choices to make that better instead of making it worse. Yeah, dude. And like to bring it back around to, you know, that sort of fear or dread and that anxiety that you have being in a terrible circumstance. I think a lot of times people, when they move, mm-hmm. like you did to a new area, they don't know what to do and they don't know how do I how do I fill this void of loneliness now that Mm -hmm. I'm in a new place? And I think what's scary, another terrifying thing, being alone is terrifying, but another terrifying thing is putting yourself out there, putting Mm -hmm. yourself in positions to meet people, meet new people and get involved in a community. And that's spooky. Yeah. But that's what you have to do. You got to get up, meet people, get outside of your, your grind and say, who are you? What's your name? Let me shake your hand. Maybe we can be friends. Maybe you can introduce me to people. Maybe, because you want, I think ultimately in life, you want people to count on you. You want people to want you to be somewhere. Mm -hmm. You want to be needed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, on top of that, I think it's even more important now than ever, I would say, because of the age that we're entering of like connectivity on social media, online, where like you technically you could get away with never talking to anybody in real life, you yeah. know, like you can be connected to all these different people through Facebook groups or yeah. Instagram hashtags or whatever. Um, and I think when we rely on that kind of thing to feel connected, then our actual skills of real connection with people face to face, they get really rusty and terrible. Mm-hmm. And I don't know for me myself, I realize when I do depend on, things like technology or online presence to make me feel connected. Yeah. It's not as fulfilling. It's not, it doesn't fill that same um, void that like a real relationship does. Like when someone's counting on you or when you're counting on someone else, no one's going to miss you on social media. No No one's going to be like, Oh dude, I haven't seen you post and stuff in a while. Yeah. People are going to miss you if you're involved in their community and then you're not there. People will text you and say, Hey, this place where you are in my life, you're not there anymore. And there's a void for me. Right. It's not like, oh, yo, you're you're hella involved in this Facebook group. No one's <laughs> saying that, you know? No, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I think for the most part, social media is mostly you oriented. It's all about it's all about what you want out of it, anyways. It's not like people aren't going on Facebook to serve other people. You know, yeah, it's like not, personal branding. Like, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but in real relationships, I think that is part of relationships. Is like, what can I? How, what can I do for you, Joey? Or what can you like today? What can you do for me? Like yeah. we're, we're about serving each other, like in a way that isn't there through other outlets. But yeah, I think, I think that is really important to get out there, meet people in the same interests that you have and right. like actually force yourself to get to know them and find out what is important to them. And I don't know exactly what, all that accomplishes, but it definitely can help with things like fear and anxiety for definitely, sure. Definitely, man. Yeah. Dude, the human experience is the truly, I believe this is to find meaning. Mm-hmm. Someone's depressed. Mm-hmm. Depression, I think, a lot of times happens out of circumstances that cause you to lose passion for something and lose meaning. Yeah. And I think a lot of things that can actually bring you meaning is people saying, hey, I need you. I count on you. I need you for this. I need you for that. I yeah. want you. You're involved in my life and you got to stay in my life because I need you. And that gives people a sense of purpose. I think a lot of times, like if you have a family member, it dies. Yeah. All of a sudden that need that you filled in their life is now gone. Yeah. And that leaves you thinking, why do I do anything? I don't yeah. care about anything. I was doing it really for that person. Now they're gone and I don't give a shit about anything because it was all for them. Yeah. I mean, that's a crazy ass example that I stretched super far. Yeah, but it happened with you. <laughs> it makes me wonder. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think get involved with people and you will find meaning in your life through other people, yeah. depending on you. For sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that very much. What do you, okay, so from your experience, what would you, what would you wrap on? What would be. Some and you don't have to say anything, but where you're mm-hmm. just like, do this or don't do this. Yeah, it can even be like, don't move if you have no money, like whatever. Yeah, you know, it's actually ah, uh, it's actually 
I could argue still, I think both points of both sides of the argument. So yeah, argue with yourself. Yeah. So on one hand, um, don't be too, don't be too prideful to go back on your word. If that has to be it, you know, like don't Mm -hmm. be too prideful to say I was wrong and I need to rethink things before change, like before going forward with this, whatever. Right. So, and I, in my instance, it would have been wise for me to actually delay my trip as much as I could and be like, I need to actually have the right amount of money to go. That would have been wise. But at the, on the other hand, the other side of that debate is, um, don't get too stuck in like these tight rules, um, before doing anything. I think there is something really, really advantageous about taking risks and doing something that's unexpected or maybe not the wisest thing. And that sounds I mean, it's weird to say both of those because they're very in opposition, but I think different situations need different things. And so what I found through taking that huge risk, like going across the country without any money, even though it was one of the hardest, the one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life, and I was maybe in the lowest place I've ever felt in my life, looking back at that now and looking where I am now and looking back at that and realizing that I made it through, it really does give you this sense of like, dude, anything is possible. Like not even having yeah. no money, not even that can stop you from doing something you really want to do. And you, like yeah. you might get burnt. Like I could have totally gotten burnt and had to come back or whatever, or might've ended up homeless for a little bit. I don't know. And that only would have taught me the, what I said first, the first lesson of like, yeah, well, next time I try and do something big, then I need to take a little more time thinking about it. But where I see this risky move has taken me is like this new place where I'm like in a city I really love with a whole new, even way bigger community that I love of people that I know that I'm connected to that are behind me, that are for me. And now, I mean, I just met my wife a couple of years ago. We just got married three months ago. I never would have met her if I had moved to Seattle. So there's all these things that are connected to this quote unquote foolish move that some people might've argued I never should have done. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's the strength of will dude to Mm -hmm. move on and go on. And I think you grew, you put yourself, you put Mm -hmm. yourself in a pretty poor circumstance. Yeah. But having gone through that dude, Think about how much you grew having been at that Walmart, having now when you're in a circumstance where you're like, whoa, this is pretty low. And then you think about not as low as that Walmart, not as, not as low as crying in that line with the rest of those poor sons of bitches in that (laughs) Walmart. Like it's not that bad. I've been through here. I have the strength of will to like get my shit together and get a job and meet my wife yeah and be a real person like you can overcome a lot because you've been so low yeah and that's really true i think there have been several times where i've been in a shitty situation and been like oh you know what i've seen worse and this is this is nothing like if i've been through that yeah man. i can get through this and um sometimes you have to take risks to be in that situation where you've learned that so i don't think it was even the bad even a bad thing. So I would say those two points, like there is wisdom in preparing correctly. Don't be too pride, prideful to say I was wrong, um, but also take risks and don't get stuck in a box too much. And the only other thing beyond that is kind of what we just have been talking through is like, find a community, find people. I mean, for me, it was based around my religion, Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be that. It could be whatever interests you have, but find people that um, you can connect with that have similar things as you that they like to do and put yourself out there and get to know them and not just get to know them for your own sake, but get to know them for their sake too. Like, yeah, you know, they're in the same place as you. They need someone to love and encourage them just like you need someone to love and encourage you. So do it for their sake and hope and pray that they do it for you. You know? Yeah. Even to, I mean, one thing that does is to connect with another person distracts you from your own needs. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You can fester on all the time. Yeah. Dude, plug your SoundCloud. Plug the comedy shows you're doing, <laughs> your art shows. Oh, man. Plug all your stuff, dude. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. What do you I, got to say? I don't have much to plug. I don't even know what to plug, dude. I Plug the church, dog. 
Well, that's the other thing. That's a whole other story. But my, the oh, church I'm at dude, now is yeah. like in shambles. It's like, oh, you're still at that church? Yeah, I'm another. Right. Yeah, I'm a church that came from. Let's just Mars segue yeah. into the new podcast about churches and drama <laughs> and gay pastors. There wasn't a gay pastor, was it? No, different church. Different church. Okay, I don't know what pastor that is, but um, you can be gay though. What do you mean? That's cool. Yeah, as a pastor, at my church. Any any church? It depends on what the church believes. Some That's churches true. aren't cool with that. Yeah. Some churches love it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I have nothing to plug, Joey. All I right. do want to have a podcast someday, but I'm kind of like off the internet almost completely now, so I don't have much. Uh, I don't even have like a Facebook or a Twitter or Instagram that people could find. I'm just a regular dude that's hiding from what you don't even care world. about your social media presence. You no, don't care don't about even. your personal brand. I was so, I got so just bored and depressed just being on Facebook. So I was like, I'm just going to quit this. It is. It's terrible. It is. It's ruining my life as yeah. we speak. Yeah. As you speak. <laughs> I've yeah, actually anyways, been looking at my Facebook feed the entire time. During this you podcast. Were talking. Bro. That, that no, look. Hurts. See? Look. Oh, I, it's right. the, right, it's cool. the software. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I mean, I'll just plug your podcast. How about that? Do it. Yeah, go check out uh, Anecdotal What's Experience. my website? Uh, let Try me guess. It. www. <laughs> you start. Good start. <laughs> the yeah. com. Yep. Check go it to out, the guys. SoundCloud, too. <laughs> SoundCloud.com. Like the Facebook page, you heads. Yeah. Check out the sweet work that Johnny Bertoff does, the artwork. Oh, thank you. I always forget to plug his stuff. Yeah. All right. No one's listening anymore. I know. All right. Thanks a lot, Eric. Yeah. Thanks, Joey, for having me. This is great. All right. Later. Later, dude.